Hey everybody, before we get into this episode, I wanted to take a moment real quick and say that after we recorded this episode, Matt and Freya, formerly of Full Movie Podcast, actually physically went to the Highgate Cemetery and took dozens and dozens of fantastic pictures of the cemetery for you guys to see. And we're going to be posting all of those on our Facebook page at Harley Paranormal. So you can take a look at the absolutely gorgeous pictures of an absolutely gorgeous cemetery. And while you're at it, you can catch Matt and Freya this month on their new podcast, The Royal Philharmonic Chainsaw Massacre. So go ahead and check them out on Instagram. Check them out on Facebook. Give those guys Lots of love, because they definitely deserve it. And Matt and Freya, thank you so much for the pictures. That's the ultimate sort of descriptor for our generation is I went to get water and instead I watched a video on my phone. <laughs> I was off. I was went to go give myself sustenance instead. I was like, more screen time. Yeah. It's like millennial sustenance. <laughs> That's the worst. It's that, avocado toast. Starbucks. Yeah. Our lives would actually be a lot more put together if we just laid off the avocado toast in the Starbucks and yeah. located our bootstraps and pulled them up. <laughs> Where do you find bootstraps? I own many boots and none of them have straps. Yeah, my, I think it's those little dongles on the back. Oh. I only have those, like, you know, white lady riding boots, so maybe <laughs> it's not the same kind of boots. <laughs> so, how you been? <laughs> <laughs> Good, you? I'm okay. I don't know, I just got like a laughing fit. So what are we going to be talking about today? We'll just get into it. Um... How great my hair looks. Your hair does actually look really good. You have a really great outfit today. I don't, like, mm-hmm. obviously, like, the people that are listening can't see it. But Lacey's wearing a purple shirt and purple pants. But they're, they're yoga pants. Mm-hmm. And you have purple streaks in your hair. And we were at the store earlier talking about how you look like Ivan Ooze's girlfriend. <laughs> we're trying to figure out what my name could be. Well, you went with Lacey Ooze. Yeah. But anyone could figure out something better. I, mean, I said Ivana Ooze, and then I realized that Ivana Ooze is a horrifying name. It's so gross. I hate that. But if we did like a porn version, perfect. Horrible. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, so do, do you actually remember what we're talking about today? Because we, we talked vampires. about it all morning. Vampires. We talked about it all morning. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the Highgate vampire specifically. I mean, we're going to talk about a few vampires, but we're going to talk about that one. I hear they're a real pain in the neck in this one cemetery. I'm not, digni- <laughs> I'm, I'm not dignifying that with bodily noises. <laughs> Whatever. So, what do you know about the Highgate vampire? Um, there was a vampire in a sweet-looking cemetery that we decided we're going to do an Instagram gothic photo shoot and be obnoxious there someday. <laughs> That's true. And there's like dueling magicians or something. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty solid way to put it, yeah. So yeah, basically the story takes place in, as you might have guessed, the Highgate Cemetery in London. 
Uh, it is one of the... Apparently, there, it's in the northern part of London, and there's, uh, I guess, like seven cemeteries in London that are large and have interesting architecture. Um, and this one seems to have a lot of, you know, really... I mean, we I watched a tour, and it has a lot of really beautiful sort of gothic architecture. So goth. So goth. There's approximately 170,000 people buried in around 53,000 graves in the cemetery. Holy crap. Yeah, that's a ton of people. That's totally a lot. And not only is the cemetery notable for being, you know, a really famous London cemetery that has this crazy story attached to it, and it's a big, sprawling place, it is also a de facto nature reserve. What? Yeah. What does that mean? Pretty much it's treated like a nature reserve. Like, it doesn't have the official status, but there are animals that live there that... To disturb the... Vampires. <laughs> Bats, obviously. <laughs> Bats and wolves. But there's animals and plants that, that are there that to disturb the cemetery would be to disturb their habitat. Oh. So it's protected. That's cool. Yeah, really, really cool. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about this story. <laughs> right. So the story of the Highgate Vampire is like a movie. <laughs> it's very dramatic. Ooh, I like dramatic. And it starts... In the 1960s, but specifically on Halloween night, 1968. I was hoping you'd say it started out with a kiss. How did it end up like this? It was only a kiss. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> None of this. What do you mean? So there was an article in the London Evening News published on November 2nd, 1968. Right. And here is a little excerpt from that article. On the night of Halloween 1968, a graveyard desecration by persons unknown occurred in Tottenham Park Cemetery in London. These persons arranged flowers taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing to a new grave, which was uncovered. Coffin was opened and the body inside disturbed, but their most macabre act was driving an iron stake in form of a cross through the lid and into the breast of the corpse. Giggity. Ooh. <laughs> Giggity, oh my god. Breast. Oh, because breast. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? That's where this all starts. Right. Halloween night, people are performing some kind of ritual where they are, I guess, locating a vampire. They believe to be a vampire, and then they are driving a stake through it. Did they say who the body belonged to? Uh, it wasn't published in the article. Huh. So one of the weird things about this cemetery is there are some graves there that are so old that nobody knows who's in them anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, it's kind of wild. <laughs> Though the identities and motivations of those responsible were never ascertained, general consensus at the time linked the desecration to events surrounding the Highgate, Highgate vampire case. <laughs> the Highgate. The Highgate, yes. It's, <laughs> it's the food of the beehive. <laughs> the Highgate. So there was a letter sent to the Hampstead and Highgate Express on February 6, 1970. So this is two years, like a year later, or right. two years later. David Ferrant wrote a letter to them saying that uh, while he was passing by the cemetery on the 24th of December, 1969, he glimpsed, quote, a gray figure that he considered to be supernatural. And he asked if any other people had seen something similar. What about it was supernatural? He just considered it to be supernatural. Someone in a cemetery, not visiting a dead loved one, just... Uh, supposedly. I mean, it's a big around. cemetery. You could probably walk for a while to go find, you know, somebody you're looking for. In there. Yeah. 
just the fact that he was like, oh, I consider them to be supernatural. Like, can you just do that? Like, Oh, yeah, I'm supernatural as fuck. Like, oh, yeah, um, can you get my green mug? Um, I don't like the blue <laughs> one because I consider it to be supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to do that and for the devilment for everything. For the devilment, yes. I guess gray, they could have been wearing gray clothes, but I assume he means a gray figure. Like, it was someone that looked like they were, you know, ghostly. Oh, I guess. So I imagine you can probably guess what happens after he puts out a public letter asking if anyone else has seen anything spooky at one of the biggest cemeteries in London. Everyone has seen something spooky. Everybody. So about a week later on the 13th, a ton of people replied. Um, and they were describing a variety of ghosts that they had seen there. And would you like to know some of the things that they saw? Obviously. Uh, some described a tall man in a hat. <laughs> the most diabolical of ghosts. It's in a cemetery. <laughs> in Is winter. It, like, how tall, though? Yeah, I mean, if it's Slender Man, okay, maybe. Fair. A spectral cyclist. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I know in this time... Well, no. I guess in the 60s, yeah, they would have those dorky cycling outfits, right? Yeah, they were cyclists. Yeah. That's awesome. A woman in white. Of Cla course. Classic. A face glaring through the bars of a gate. But they don't say, like, what kind of face. Was it, like, a person? Was it, like, a dog? Yeah. Was a, it a dog man? It was a dog man. It's the Hopkinsville Goblin. <laughs> a figure wading into a pond. That's spooky. Yeah. That's probably the most spooky of them. Even if it's not a ghost, if I saw someone wading out into a pond in a cemetery, like, that's pretty spooky. Yeah, now I want to do it just to freak people out. Good call. <laughs> Pale gliding form. I mean, same. I'm calling it an albino flying squirrel. That's <laughs> definitely what they saw. Because they said form, not human form. True. Bells ringing and voices calling. And then five golden rings. So. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, though, the cemetery is also in conjunction to a church. Uh, so bells so. ringing would be completely normal? Unless it was happening at a time when it wouldn't normally happen. But even still. Yeah. You know. Uh, I'm of the opinion that if someone says, hey, I think I saw a ghostly figure at the cemetery. Did anybody else see anything? Like, I would be amazed if no one else spoke up. Yeah. Not I'm saying that a cemetery is full of haunted stuff. I'm just saying it's like people love to be involved. Totally. Yeah. So we talked about the first person who was involved in this case, um, which is David Ferrant. And David Ferrant also was like a local magician. Awesome. And well, I, What kind of magician was he? So, not the one you're thinking of. He was not like a stage magician. What? He was a practitioner of the occult. Oh! When we were watching some videos, I went straight to, like, street magic. <laughs> He's like a David Blaine type. Yes! I, is that weird of me to assume? No. I mean, magician has a different connotation now than it does even back in the 60s. Yeah. So in comes the second figure of this case who really took this to a whole other level. Sean Manchester. Good name. Good name. Sean Manchester was also a magician. And I mean that in the same exact way. He also was a practitioner of the occult. Not one stage magician was like, I gotta get my hand in this. Like, come on. He could be Manchester the Magnificent. <gasps> oh my god. What was the other guy's name? Uh, David Ferrant. Oh. Ferent the Fantastic. Ooh, okay. I'm great at this. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because he wanted to be a magician growing up? Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean Manchester claimed that the figure was in fact a vampire. 
not just any vampire. It was a king vampire, and it was a magician who practiced black magic in medieval times. Do you think it's like the one in Lynnhurst, New Jersey? <laughs> what? Like medieval oh, times. Like, where they have the, the it dueling took me a second. And... It took me a second to click. You know what? I bet people in the UK listening to this do not have medieval times. <gasps> I think it would be insane to try and open a medieval times in the UK. Okay. Medieval times is a big restaurant that is shaped like a castle, and they do, like, shows. It's not just a big restaurant. It's literally yeah. like live theater. Where you go and sit down and they feed you, quote-unquote, period food, like mutton and potatoes and Pepsi. And <laughs> there's a huge dirt arena in the middle where people joust. They have knights fighting, you know, like, they're all stuntmen, I think, but... Yeah. And you get you get a section, so, like, you get to be the green knight or the yellow knight, and you cheer for your section. It's amazing. And they have a museum with, like, the hokiest medieval artifacts you've ever seen like in your life. Like torture devices and stuff. Well, and like plate armor that's definitely made out of aluminum. <laughs> it's amazing. That's what I hope his medieval times was from. <laughs> that's what he's referring to? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So as you can imagine, the media latched right onto this. And both of these guys, David Farron and Sean Manchester, they were like pretty much trying to tell people like they knew all about the vampire and they were hunting it. They were going to be the Van Helsing of the story. They were going to destroy it. And they were like rivals. Like they were openly like rivaling each other. And they, when they talked to the press, they would talk about how they knew the true nature of the vampire and their rival was foolish and uneducated and blah, blah, blah. And it was just this ridiculous thing that was happening in the 70s in England. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. This is the 70s. Disco is alive and well. Yeah. What? Do you think they're wearing bell bottoms during this? They have to be. They're like traversing this no, cemetery actually, in bell bottoms. I will have to find the picture, and if I can find it, I will put it on um, the. I'll put it on the, the the post for this. But there is a picture from a newspaper from the time showing one of the gentlemen. I can't remember which one it is, and he's holding a wooden stake and a cross, and he's like holding it threateningly at the open door of a crypt, and he's wearing like bell bottoms and a blazer. <laughs> I don't think you understand how much I love that. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you know. He looks like Lupin the Third, like that French comic book detective. Oh, like, <laughs> yes. And I was like, "That's this is all I want is I want someone in bell bottoms with like big mutton chops, like yes, slaying vampires. It's awesome." While listening to Donna Summer. Because <laughs> like, I, I will survive. survive. Plays yeah. in the background. Oh yeah, Air Five. <laughs> so while they have this rivalry going on, they're creating a lot of. Uh, you know, sort of fervor among the public because now everyone's like, holy crap, vampires, like the, the big famous cemetery. So like, what would you say a vampire's favorite ice cream flavor is? <laughs> Fuck, I hate this. <laughs> um, Rocky Road? Vanilla. Vanilla. Like vanilla. Get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> awful. Oh my Aww. God. Just, I have no words for that. I thought it was funny. So, moving on. So, <laughs> In March of 1970, there had been so much publicity, obviously, that was around this story and around the rivalry of these two guys, each one of them claiming that they could sort of expel the vampire, or they could destroy it, and uh, Sean Manchester declared that in Friday the 13th, March 1970, he was going to hold an exorcism, and ITV interviewed him. and On what? 
on on the cemetery. Like he was gonna drive the spirit out. Huh. I didn't know you could do it on like a yeah, like I, a non-being, I, a non-ghost. Yeah, I, I had no idea either. But apparently, also, I'm not a black magic magician, so I have no idea. Yet, <laughs> yet. But they interviewed Sean Manchester and David Ferrand and a few other people who claim to have seen supernatural figures in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, what supernatural means in this context, I'm not really sure because it's supernatural, like it's, it's dirt. <laughs> <laughs> And there were broadcasts on ITV early in the evening of Friday the 13th. Within about two hours of that, that story running on ITV, a mob of dozens of people, probably hundreds, stormed the cemetery and were like crawling over the walls and the fences of the Lock Cemetery to break in to go on a hunt for the vampire. People are fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And what they did inside the cemetery is probably one of the most... To me, like, horrible pieces of vandalism I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. They were breaking into crypts, breaking into mausoleums, smashing open, like, old stone sarcophaguses, breaking open coffins, and driving wooden rods and stakes through corpses, beheading corpses, mutilating bodies. Uh, and you got to remember, too, at the time, the Highgate Cemetery was not the tourist attraction that it is today. It was actually pretty run down. So in the minds of Londoners that were familiar with it, it was very believable that there could be something scary there, like a vampire or a ghost, because it was sort of an old, run-down, ancient-looking cemetery. Yeah. And it was absolutely, like, vandalized all over the place. Really, really horrible, especially when you consider, like, this is a place of rest (laughs) for the departed. So that's pretty horrifying. I don't know. I feel like like if there's a heaven and I'm up there and I'm looking down past the clouds onto my body and someone just decapitates me, I'd be like, fucking metal, man. I guess I might grab somebody. Like, dude, look what they're doing. Yeah. They think I'm a vampire. (laughs) Rad. (laughs) Uh, So a few months later on August 1st, the charred and headless remains of a woman's body was found not far from the catacombs within the cemetery. Some people suspected that it was had been used in like a black magic ritual. Like the police investigating it thought that that could be what happened. And it wasn't totally clear at the time. And I couldn't really find anything else about this story. Um, whether it was a body that was exhumed and burned. That's what I was going to ask. Or if they murdered someone and oh, burned them. It, it wasn't clear because of the state the body was in after it was burned. Uh, so that's really spooky. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> They also found uh, David Ferrant was in a churchyard beside the cemetery, like one night in August, walking around with a crucifix and a wooden stake in his hand, <laughs> like stalking the cemetery. <laughs> I'm sorry. They don't even need to spend money on security. They got magicians. <laughs> yeah, they've got, you know, these black magic magicians stalking the property. Wearing powder blue suits, I imagine. Who couldn't get in the cemetery because it was locked, so they just have to walk around outside. But um, yeah, so he was arrested and then they, they when the case went to court, it was dismissed because they were just like, oh, he's just being, you know, a fucking weirdo. Being a magician. Well, um, a few days later, Sean Manchester went to the cemetery and he claimed that at this time, him and his companions who were helping him, uh, his little Van Helsing Etz. <laughs> See, I was um, picturing... The chicks that help magicians, what are they called? The assistants? The assistants, yeah. Yeah, like in their glittery outfits. <laughs> roaming through the cemetery. Which makes what they did that much funnier. 
Like, if you imagine them in, like, the top hats, like, this is a Tana kind of outfit. Yes. Uh, They went into and forced open the doors of a family vault. And he he was able to locate this vault thanks to one of his helpers being a psychic. (laughs) I fucking love this. Um, They said that they lifted the lid off of the coffin, believing to have found a vampire. Right. They also claimed that the coffin that they found had been mysteriously transported from another catacomb. But there's no evidence of this. Like, it's just some crap they said. Yeah. And he was going to drive a stake through the body because he believed it contained a vampire when one of his friends talked him out of it. And instead, they closed the coffin and they put garlic and incense on the vault and left. So now it's just smelly. Yeah. Awesome. Like, is the incense to hide the smell of the garlic? Huh. And do you think, like, the vampire wakes up like, ooh, patchouli. Oh, God, it's garlic. Oh, God. (laughs) I hope so. After, like, this big crazy event where the cemetery is vandalized and these two dickheads are, like, going over there and, like, fucking around with graves and stuff, the police are getting pretty tired of it and they start putting more patrolmen near the cemetery to kind of keep them out. And Why do you need that when you have the magicians? What is with these people? Like, have faith in the magic. (laughs) So the magicians who, at this point, I believe are just these two desperate for attention goons... What do you think their day jobs were? Magicians. <laughs> you don't get paid to practice the occult. Maybe they worked at like a dry cleaners and they made <laughs> they made stains disappear. <laughs> <gasps> I love it. Uh, so because they they were trying to maintain this you know constant stream of attention and the cops were pretty much putting the kibosh on that, they public rumors began to kind of spread publicly about a magician's duel on Parliament Hill. Fuck me up. <laughs> that was going to be on Friday the 13th of April, 1973. Now, if you've been following the timeline, this is now four years of shenanigans at this cemetery because of these two guys. Yeah. How did people not get bored of this? Like, after the first I year? I bet they were. Yeah, that's fair. It's just these two goons showing up at a cemetery just, like, with wands, I guess? I don't I don't know. Well, they put flyers up. And they had like posters up, like with fancy writing and their pictures like, of them. And do you think it's like the Jake Paul thing where they're like, <laughs> they had the posters of them, you know, facing each other? And yeah, and Aww. even funnier, it never happened. Uh, they never met up for their duel. What? So oh, I have so many questions. Like, what kind of duel? A magic duel? Yeah, like, like in my head, duel? it's like a Harry Potter kind of thing. Yeah, like, but I don't really know. Is it, was it going to be like the, the sword in the stone where like they're going to like be turning each other into animals? <laughs> <gasps> oh, why didn't, did they say why they didn't do it? No, it, it, it just didn't have it. I think it's because neither of them are really magicians. Kind of reminds me of one time in eighth grade, this girl wanted to fight me. I don't know why. And, um. You have that kind of face. <laughs> <laughs> I get bullied a lot. Um, she wanted to fight me. She's like, we're going to fight after school. I'm like, fine. Cause you know, I pretended to be tough. Mm-hmm. And then she ended up backing out. So I was like, oh, you're too scared. Oh, you're too scared to fight. Getting in your head. I was terrified. So then when she said she didn't want to do it, I'm like, oh, well, I was so ready. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it went like that. Yeah, she probably cried herself to sleep that night. Probably. Good job. Thank you. So David Ferrant actually ended up getting jailed in 1974 for damaging memorials and interfering with dead remains within the cemetery. Ew. Um, basically, uh, he insisted that the vandalism and the desecration that happened was Satanist and not him. <laughs> He's a magician. Is he? So? I don't understand. Does he belong to a church? I don't. 
I want to know what it means to be a magician. Can you just say you're a magician and like it? You just I go, say anything. I think it's like when you say you're an accountant, and they go, like, "Well, I'm an accountant." They're like, "Oh, do you like do you like taxes?" You're like, "No, I'm not that kind of accountant." Like, can you do that? <laughs> you're like, "Oh, a magician." Like, oh, you do like kids parties? Like, "No, I'm not that kind of magician." Oh, you do like stage shows? No, I'm not that kind of magician. <laughs> and you just keep saying that until people let it go. And they're like, I don't know. He said he's a magician, but he won't tell me what kind. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I need mysterious. more information on these gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, th- I mean, definitely Google them there uh, for people at home. They're, I, we're not going to go into like everything about these two guys, but they are characters for sure. <laughs> well, the two of them, they wrote and spoke repeatedly about this story. They did interviews for years um, and they, they gave... They wrote articles for magazines and stuff, and they kept up their rivalry the entire time. Uh, And during all of their interviews, one would always build up their role in the story Mm -hmm. and sort of play off the the role of the other one, like exclusion sort of thing. Yeah. So both of them were like building themselves up while trying to like, you know, de-emphasize the role that the other one played in the story for decades. Okay, but what if one of them was actually a magician, actually did magic. <laughs> it's really saving all of London from this one vampire. What if one of them was the vampire? <gasps> oh, I love a plot twist. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so they, basically they were trying for decades to control the narrative of this Highgate vampire story, uh, which, you know, basically led to a lifelong pattern of animosity and rivalry that basically nobody cared about after the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> it- Disco was dead. The vampire died along with it. Yeah. And the the whole thing really ended in April of 2019 when uh, David Ferrant... Fucking what? Yeah. David Ferrant died in April of 2019. And that's when the feud ended. And pretty much like the story was put to rest. Yeah, you can't with a dead guy. Well, yeah. I mean, you can. It's just, it's a very one-sided fight. (laughs) You can just then build up your role in the thing and there it goes. So if you've ever seen the movie Dracula AD 1972, which was a hammer horror film starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, it is about a Highgate vampire story. It's based on it. That's rad. It's a great movie, too. It's wonderful. You should definitely watch it. Bell Bottoms? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's Bell Bottoms. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. It's a hammer film from the 70s. Of course, there's Bell Bottoms. So what do you think about this story? I think that some people, like every time, some people got bored. Yep. And then... Maybe it's like the one guy did see something spooky or, you know, like mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of accidentally snowballed it. Oh, yeah. Know? Like he got in too deep and couldn't backtrack. Yeah. Like maybe he did see something and he was curious. Like, oh, did anyone see blah, blah, blah. And then like everyone went crazy for it. Uh, yeah. I definitely believe that that could be the case. Maybe the first guy was innocent. Well, uh, I don't know about that because okay. he wrote a public letter. Asking if anyone had seen... He, he claims that what he saw was supernatural in nature. Asked if anyone else had seen anything like that. I feel like... Yeah, but how many times on, like, Facebook groups in the town, it was like, oh, did anyone see a blah, blah, blah? And then everyone was like, oh, I saw the blah, blah, blah. Like, That's true. I, I guess like you right. the equivalent. He could have. It just kind of grew a life of its own. Yeah. Okay, I could probably buy that. <laughs> I do want and crave more information on these two magicians. Oh, yeah. I need to know what kind of magic they did. What the duel is supposed to be? Were there wands? Were there wands? Were there wands? Yeah. That's a good question. Or you think they're just going to go pew pew? Or um, oh, what's that stupid movie that Steve Carell is in with... um? Does not narrow it down. <laughs> with um, Zach Galifianakis. What? There's like a movie where they're together and it's like... 
like all these idiots go to dinner. I, a dinner for schmucks. Yeah, and yeah. they have like a magic duel kind of thing there. Yeah, I remember. I imagine that. it's like that. In my head, they look like um, Michael the Magnificent from the IT crowd. Okay. When they're at dinner and like he has all those weird hand motions while he's talking about the salt and like he just <laughs> looks like a like a stage magician. I imagine it's like that, but like with 1970s turtlenecks and bell bottoms. Oh, that's also good. I also. I love that. that they carried around crucifixes and wooden stakes, like they're <laughs> in a Hammer film. Like that's just everything about this though is such a movie. It's such a film plot yeah. where there's this cult that meets. And I can imagine, like, you know, the caretaker of the cemetery coming into work the next morning and finding the iron cross driven through the chest of a corpse with all this that occult... That sounds fucking scary. Yeah, with all this occult activity everywhere. And then suddenly some guy a year later claims to have seen a vampire on the property and it turns into this big thing where, like, everyone's going vampire crazy and these two magicians show up <laughs> getting ready to kill the vampire. And it's this, like, fight against this supernatural force that they can't quite overwhelm. But I agree that it's probably just guy got the in wind. too deep. It's just the wind. Yeah, <laughs> guy got in too deep. But this is a really cool uh, example of sort of the how a story can grow and become really crazy and become something that, you know, you lose control of. Yeah. There's like those sisters that claim that they could speak to ghosts and they were actually like just tapping their feet under their dresses and making clicking yeah. noises. And I think it's that kind of thing. Like it just gets out of hand and then, you know, the next thing you know. And then you get magicians. <laughs> you get magicians. Yeah. I just, I want to know the magicians. I wish I could meet them. Oh, yeah. I could probably meet the one because He's necromancy. Necromancy. Well, and what's cool is there's actually a lot of different stories like this all over the world of people rally, like a town rallying together to deal with a vampire threat. That's so wild. It's really wild because you don't really hear about this with any other sort of supernatural element. You don't hear about people going on the hunt for werewolves or going on the hunt for, you know, ghosts or demons. I think the closest is like there was a posse formed in the 80s to go after a Lobozone down in Mexico. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, if you're not sure, if you're not familiar with like a Lobozone, it's like a werewolf, basically. But a lot of stories of vampires, lots of stories of vampires. wonder why they're more lasting than all the other spookies. Well, I think part of that is because there's so many um, pieces of physical evidence that if you don't know what you're looking at, can definitely... Uh, appear like a vampire yeah the classic ones especially like in slavic countries is the hair and nails appear to continue to grow but really it's that the skin begins to shrink which pulls back from the nails and pulls back from the scalp and makes the hair and nails look like they're longer um also there are people who suffered from porphyria before they died which is like your gums begin to retract making your teeth look more fang-like uh -huh. and you, you tend to have sort of a sallow appearance. You gain a uh, sensitivity to sunlight. And they uh, they tend to bleed, like, around their mouths and eyes and stuff. So Wow, that's not yeah, cool. <laughs> not cool, yeah. I mean, well, the classic, you know, especially if you watch the old Hammer Vampire movies, Dracula always has blood coming out of the corners of his mouth. Well, that also sometimes happens to corpses, like, after they're buried, especially if they're not embalmed correctly. And it's, you know, it's not super common, but it does happen. So you could imagine, um, like in Slavic folklore, vampires, not just, it's not just a force that comes and drinks blood. They also bring disease. 
So if you have someone in your family that suddenly dies of some sort of mysterious illness and then someone else in the family dies of this mysterious illness and then someone else in town, they would blame it on a vampire or some kind of evil malevolent spirit. And the first thing they would think is, okay, who did we bury recently? They must have come back as a vampire. Oh, that's scary. And they'll dig them up and then they'll see the hair has grown, the nails have grown, and their, their belly is swollen because they're rotting. And they'll have, you know, a little trickle of blood by their mouth and go, oh, look, they've recently risen and have fed. So now we need to deal with them. Um, and, what, and there's a lot of crazy ways um, in Slavic folklore that they're, you know, uh, supposed to be dealt with. Besides stakes through the heart, you can also cut out the heart. Um, there have been a lot of skeletons uncovered that were, you know, the suspected of being vampires that have giant rocks sort of wedged in their mouths. Uh, yeah, a lot of crazy stuff like that. Can they that. not take out the rocks? Well, I think the idea is that they can't take out the rock. Yeah, like it's wedged so far in, like they couldn't remove it. If it's a supernatural being, though, I feel like... Well, they don't see it as like a supernatural, like, it's not like Dracula, where it's got like all this insane kind of, you know, powers. They see it more as a risen corpse that brings disease and, you know, things like that. Uh, There's also a lot of reports in lots of countries around the world of people being buried face down so that if they were to rise as a vampire, they would dig down into the dirt rather than up towards, you know, the surface. Maybe I don't know how necromancy or anything (sighs) works, but like... I feel like you'd know you're laying on your face. (laughs) Yeah, like I feel like all you'd have to do is just turn around right i guess yeah i don't i don't know i've never been brought back to life so you know maybe you don't think about that kind of thing well and it's uh i mean by and large it's a superstition so it's not exactly grounded in logic and reason but it's still really really interesting because (laughs) there are uh graves i've seen that have cages over the top of them and some people say that those are there to prevent grave robbers but you can just dig around the cage yeah they're there because people were worried that the person buried would come back and come after their loved ones for their blood. And while that kind of superstition is part of sort of the fabric of a culture, and I really, really love that, Mm -hmm. I think it also says something really interesting about the lives those people lead where they're buying iron, they're having someone shape it, they're having someone weld it, they're taking the time to flip somebody over and put them in a coffin a certain way or put rocks in their mouths because in their life, their worldview, vampires are a very real threat that need to be dealt with preemptively. Oh my gosh. And that's that's kind of amazing. Yeah. That the real actual threat of a vampire is like a real part of somebody's life somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they take measures to protect themselves. Just like how we would pull the blinds when it's really hot or we would, you know, do any number of little things. Make sure you pick up crumbs so you don't get mice. Like, little things to protect our house. One thing they do is, like, stringing garlic over a grave, putting a cage on top of it. You know, just in case of vampires. <laughs> that makes me wonder, like, okay, what if, though? Right. What if they're real? Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, 100% non-vampire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a point, point, point one percent where I'm like, I mean, come on. <laughs> I have two, I'm of two minds about it. I have two different, you know, opposing views. One is, yes, same thing. Like, wouldn't it be cool though? Like, wouldn't that be crazy if they were real? Like, that would be pretty crazy. We'd have a world where vampires were a real thing. 
The other part is like when you find out stuff about like Porphyria and these other medical phenomena that happen that create the evidence of a vampire. Yeah. To me, that's so crazy fascinating because I'm like, yeah, but look at what this disease does and look at these natural things that happen to the body after you bury them. It makes it look like a vampire. Like, that's really cool. It's also, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I like that a lot. It would be like if someone, if there was some kind of disease where after, you know, someone would wake up with all their clothes ripped because they were seizing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, he must have turned into a Lobazone or a Loop Guru. Like, there's some kind of, <laughs> you know, that, that would be, it'd be that kind of crazy. I love vampires. I is one of my favorite uh, pieces of folklore because it is so it's not just that it's believed in for the sake of believing in it like yeah. with certain kinds of ghosts or monsters people believe in them because they were taught to believe in them this is something that some people believe in because to their minds they have seen solid irrefutable physical evidence of vampires and so they're like what more do I have to believe what can I believe if not my own eyes like, yeah oh, I love that I love that so yeah, the Highgate Vampire, very cool story. I wish that there was more of the vampire stuff. Yeah. It was more just a bunch of people turning into a big mass hysteria kind of thing. But damn, like mm-hmm. it's such a cool story. Yeah. Thank you very much for bringing this oh, story God. to us. I hate that so much. <laughs> That's the worst joke. That's the worst vampire joke. That joke sucks. Ah, oh man. <laughs> what are we going to talk about next week? Do you know? Nope. You have no idea. Nope. That's right. We didn't talk about it yet. <laughs> so something I just we show up. <laughs> something we kind of talked about this week uh, in this episode, and that is the idea of black magic cults and sort of the occult as a uh, school of magic throughout history. So it's been it's been something that like these guys. You're like, well, what does that mean? Being a magician? Like, what were they? Well, yeah. we're gonna talk about that next week. Ooh. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> Oh, we're going to get a special guest, that guy that died and we used a Ouija board? Wow, no. (laughs) He's a liar. I don't want him. (laughs) You don't know. He might have died protecting us. (laughs) You don't know. Oh, Can you imagine? It was just like, well, he was killed in a car accident, but like Dracula was driving the car. (laughs) 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 Like Dracula with the cape and the amulet, just like in a pinto. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. We need to circle back to something real quick. Okay. The ghost cyclist. Yeah. I need more information. I know there's no Im- more information, but like... Was he on a real bike or a ghost bike? Is did- it, which is spookier? How come ghosts will have their clothes, but they don't have like their favorite car or their favorite bicycle? Hmm. Why do clothes get souls, but <laughs> bikes and cars don't? I'm like, was it just a person wearing the cyclist outfit, do you think? And they just assumed? like in Sixth Sense when... That's exactly what I was thinking. Ooh. Ooh. See, in my head, it was like transparent, like in Ghostbusters. But you were thinking it's like a real person. That freaks me right the hell out. Yeah. Ugh. Imagine walking through the cemetery and you see someone like that person. Okay. What... Okay, what is scarier? You're walking through a graveyard, doing your thing, whatever you do there. To one side, you see a ghost cyclist... On the other side, you see just, like, a person in, like, a spooky robe. Which frightens you more? The robe. Really? Because the there's no... The would freak me out more because he's so out of place. No, see, the cyclist would not freak me out as much as the robe because the robe indicates that there's a possibility I could get flashed. 
And I, I don't have the fortitude for that. Have you seen how tight cyclist outfits are, though? Like, you're going to see some wang. Not hanging out, though. Like, it's not like a, like a robe where someone's going to do, like, a flasher kind of thing. No, I'm sticking with the robe. Like, And also, I feel like if you're walking down a road and you see a ghost cyclist, they're going to be in part of the road they're not supposed to be in. And they're going to be getting in your way and giving you an attitude when you're, like, walking <laughs> where you're supposed to be walking. There's a section for them, but they don't want to use it. They think they need the whole road. All the whales that have ever been for, like, ghosts, like, ghostly whales, have been cyclist ghosts. Just whining about cars using yeah. up the road. Yeah. Yes. I wonder why they would be in the cemetery. Was someone, like, cycling through the cemetery, and then they died, and they're like, I guess I have to just haunt this cemetery now. And you think all the ghosts were people that the vampire killed, or were they just happenstance, you know? That would make sense for a cyclist. Yeah. Like cycling down the road and then a vampire. Again, in my head, it's like a Christopher Lee red cape with the amulet, <laughs> like jumping, like, blah, 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 like jumping out and biting a cyclist. And they just find his bike with the pedal still turning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So you're with me. And that's what the person was going in the water for. They were like, oh, man, my baseball. So they're going in the pond. Dracula pops up with a snorkel on, blah, 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 <laughs> bites him, drags him under. The water turns red like Jaws. Does it have to be the neck? I think it's the most convenient. But like, let's say like he was going to bite the guy's leg like an alligator. You know what I mean? Can you just bite a leg and get blood? Can you imagine you're in a pond and you think you've just been bit by a snapping turtle on the <laughs> foot and you get out of the water and there's just two tiny puncture marks and you're like, oh my God, it was either two snapping turtles or there's a vampire at the bottom of the pond. <laughs> With a snorkel. With the cape and like the ruffly shirt, the amulet and a snorkel. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite. I love that. Yeah. Oh, now you gotta draw it. Now I'm wondering about every other ghost that was there. Yeah. Like, did they? I think you. I think you're onto something. Maybe they were all killed by the Highgate vampire. Yeah. Damn. Crack the code. Crack, crack the, the case. Code. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of uh, cracking codes. No. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. How does a hacker vampire kill its victims? I don't care. With a kilobyte. <laughs> Stretch. <laughs> Whatever. So you can get at us on at Harley Paranormal on Instagram, where I'm the most active. On Facebook, we have a group and a page where I sometimes do things. We're getting better. Yeah. You can also get us uh, get at us on Twitter at Harley Paranormal with a Y. Or you can send us an email at harleyparanormal at gmail.com. Where you can send us questions, comments, complaints, or drawings of snorkeling vampires. <gasps> yes! I would prefer that over drawings of penises. <laughs> ah. So far, the ratio has been zero vampire drawings to 100% penis drawings. <laughs> it's the worst. And I appreciate both of them. <laughs> You can also give us a like, and if you would, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a bunch. And I've been Jerry. I've been Lacey. And remember, it's probably aquatic Dracula. <laughs> what is Dracula's favorite fruit? A nectarine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>